that song, and so must you, dear listener. When I hear it, I have a veritable Pavlovian response. My mouth waters, my stomach growls, and I know that it's that time again. Time to celebrate the food we eat. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange and food stories. Dobertek. There's so many varieties of food. You can go to a restaurant, you see there will be a menu, it will be chicken this, chicken that, chicken that, or like beef this, beef that. So it's very difficult. Uh, but when I'm in Malawi, I can go to a restaurant, they'll ask me uh, two to three questions. They will know what to give to me. So it's, I get like very, uh, very confused sometimes here uh, with so many varieties of food. This week, training yourself to eat spicy food, eating all the tacos, literally all the tacos, and mac and cheese. Seriously, guys, mac and cheese. Join us on a journey around the world to tickle your taste buds. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yeah. Bagels. Gosh, bagels. I need to get like. 400 bagels with me back home and like ship them all the way. I was traveling to Ahmedabad, India in uh, Gujarat. And I I knew that I was traveling there for a, a few months prior. So I trained because I really didn't like spicy food, but I knew that Indians loved spicy food. And uh, I hadn't been on that many international trips before. And so I wanted to really show off and I I, uh, wanted to eat spicy food. So for a few months before I ate a lot of spicy food and I gradually, you know, ate more and more spicy food as the time went on. I think I had a lot of spicy chicken wings. I probably had a lot of hot sauce. So finally, um, we had a traditional uh, Indian meal uh, in the rural area in Gujarat outside of the city, Ahmedabad. And we all sat down um, in this beautiful area. And prior to the meal, we uh, did this dancing with the Indian participants um, that were on our trip. And it was so, it was so fun. It was so beautiful. And our meal was, was so um, cool. And unlike anything I'd ever had before, there were over a dozen little tiny dishes, all with a different uh, food inside of them. And I really didn't know what many of them were, but then I recognized a pepper and I thought, okay, I've been training for this for months. I am going to eat this pepper. And before anyone could warn me, I ate the pepper whole. And it was the spiciest thing I have ever had in my entire life. I 
frantically looked around and tried to find something to drink. There was some water, but that didn't really help. <laughs> but I did it. I ate that pepper and I was very proud of myself. I didn't really enjoy the rest of the meal because my mouth was on fire. Um, but I will always say that I did actually eat the really spicy pepper during my uh, trip to India. I do think you can train yourself to like spicy food. Oh, I do have a crazy food story. <laughs> well, once we said that, okay, let's go and eat Thai food. And uh, Thai food is usually spicy, and Americans love sweet. So they have added some sweet into the spice. And we Israeli people love the soul. And we went there, and the spicy food came with sugar, and we added the salt. <laughs> it was the food that, like, I would never love to eat again. <laughs> it was so crazy. But, like, I, I ate first time Mexican food here. I loved it. To be honest, I, like, before coming to America, I had a bad, like, smell culture shock. Uh, in Arabian Emirates, so after that I wasn't able to go to any fast food restaurant like for a year uh, That's why I couldn't go in a fast food restaurant But I went to the Mexican restaurant a lot here and I loved banana split ice cream here also <laughs> It was so delicious. I really love ice cream a lot. So I was m missing all the US ice creams like I was buying in a packs like so also banana split, like I, I missed ice cream a lot. Um, I got to Mexico City and made my way to the hotel that we were staying at. And I remember the traffic was really crazy. Um, the taxi like swerving in and out of lanes and I was just kind of overstimulated. Um, <laughs> and then getting to the hotel and realizing that I was the first one out of my group to get there and that people wouldn't be arriving till the next day. <laughs> so, um, which was sort of a great way for me to slowly introduce myself into the city because I hadn't really explored Mexico City either. Um, so I remember I got in and then I settled down and I left and I really wanted to have a, it's called chasca and it's like corn, shaved corn with mayo and queso fresco and some chile. And so I was like, this is going to be the first thing I eat in Mexico. <laughs> um, so I remember that was sort of like my inauguration of Fulbright was on the street eating this chasca. When I visited Oaxaca, obsessed with chocolate, so it's the city where you walk around and you can actually smell the chocolate. This Mayordomo is the name of the one of the main companies that makes chocolate, but they're kind of grinding it up and mixing it, and you can just smell it as you're walking down the street. And they have milkshakes or hot chocolate or just the bars, and so that I was in paradise there, walking around and smelling it and eating it all day. I think everybody ha gets some sort of, I don't know, parasite or bacteria infection or something while they're traveling. And so I think it came from a salad that I had had. Maybe the lettuce was out 
too long outside and so and then I had some weird infection and we decided a group of friends and I that we wanted to go camping on a friend's she had a um her dad worked on an onion farm so I'm feeling pretty sick but I was like well I don't want to miss out on this camping experience so we go and I'm feeling okay at night and then we wake up in the morning and it's the smell of rotten they were burning all of the rotten onions so I wake up feeling totally sick to the smell of burning rotten onions and I was just like oh god I need to get out of here I almost fainted and it was a pretty crazy crazy experience still not really sure what I had eaten that caused that but um, I don't think going to a rotten onion farm was the right remedy <laughs> Ate some bugs while I was there, cockroaches, beetles. Um, you know, I, I was pretty open to eating. I think I ate every kind of taco that there was, except like eye, cheek, tongue. The only one I didn't eat was the brain taco. I think that was just one level too high for me to <laughs> fathom. So I had the taco de ojo, the um, cabeza, lengua. What else did I have? There was so many lechon, there was um, champurrado, which is when you have a mix of different meats in your taco, so you don't really know what you're getting. Um, I can't even remember all the names, but a lot of different parts of the cow. <laughs> we are sitting in the room and we're going through the agenda. You know, the Americans are on one side of the table, the Bangladeshis are on the other side and I'm kind of in the middle. And they're going back and forth about what things should look like. And then, you know, someone brings up tea. What about tea breaks? And what about lunch? And the Americans were like, oh, well, no, we're going to do this half a day. You know, we're just kind of the very American, like, let's get in, let's get the work done. And I could tell that was not the answer the Bangladeshis were looking for. And then they started talking in Bangla. And at that point, I had been taking some lessons, so I kind of understood what they were saying. And essentially, I looked over at the head of the head delegation from the, from the American side. And I was like, look, yes, I understand you want to get this done in half a day. And we want to be, you know, judicious about it. But you can't do a meeting here. You can't do a meeting in Bangladesh and not offer, like, your guest. And you're convening the meeting, so they're your guests, you know tea right like at the very least tea it is ending at lunchtime so the you know you could offer lunch as well but like you gotta at least do tea and cookies or biscuits or something and it was that kind of simple little bit of a like oh okay well you know this is how we're gonna get these people to the table um and it was something that the that the my american counterpart hadn't quite think of that that significance right of just taking a moment, having some tea, taking a little bit of break from the work that was going on and just a different way of doing things. Um, and then once we all kind of convened back together in our meeting um, and the and it was offered, okay, well, we'll adjust the schedule to fit in a tea break here or whatnot, the tone of the meeting changed completely, right? Just a different way of doing doing business. And so that was a really like nice way I could bridge two sides literally by sitting in the middle. Salette is really famous um, for its seven-layer tea. So it's in a very small glass, almost like a shot glass, and they make seven different types of tea, 
with different leaves and different kind of consistencies. And they pour it into this clear glass in a way where it's layered. So you can see all seven layers. And as you drink it and go through each layer, the flavor changes dramatically. It was really cool. Because I grew up in an environment with my mom, my my two brothers. So I'm 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 a last born, you know, I'm the last one to come out. So my mom used to be a tea lady, growing up, and we didn't have like you know like always we eat pap. There's this thing. It's like porridge, but hard porridge. It's very delicious. You don't have it here, which is very tricky. Why? I'm sure that's what Trevor misses the most. Yeah, but you know, like we didn't have pap. So my 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 brother. Uh, what they used to do, they used to collect cans and uh, bottles to recycle. And with the little money that they would have, then they would buy food. So on like maybe every three Fridays, on the third Friday, they would come with this food. And that would be the most delicious thing ever. And that's the only time I got acquainted to takeaways. But they used to tell me that... Um, we, we, we having this food and little did I know I didn't even know that they were doing the recycling thing because I was a kid uh, only now like this year in June 2019 they're like you know we used to recycle for you to get that food that you used to talk about I was like I didn't know little did I know the sacrifices that my brothers did for me not to only have a limited mindset to life but to appreciate the little that I had and that was just like chips and bread and that was everything that, that was a culture that we would appreciate but my mom would always say, you have to work hard. Work hard, be focused, don't don't get derailed, and stick to the vision. And that's, you know, that's what's being echoed right now. So 2015, IVLP, uh, flipping pizza. Oh, I think it's delicious. Um, then I, I brought my wife 2019 this year for the Associate, the American Association Advanced for, for, for Science. And I took it to the to the pizza place. Oh, it's crazy. It's delicious. You know, the first thing I wanted when I got here, like, you know, Mr. Glenn was like, hey, let's go here. I'm like, look, I, I don't want to go to those places. I know those places. I just want to go to the pizza place. Like flipping pizza is amazing. And you can pass it by. You won't even notice it. But when you enter, you'll see a queue. Because people know that place. It's like, in in, 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 in Sotu, we call it Like It's the hidden place where you find treasury. It's delicious. That, I'm actually going to go there after here. So yeah. <laughs> So I am a German-American. My grandmother is from Munich, Germany. Uh, she came over here when she was, I think, 21 on a U.S. Army boat uh, because my grandfather was in the Army and was stationed at the consulate in Munich, I believe. And she was a, a translator, I think, at the time. Um, and that's how they met. And within six months, she had a ring on her finger and came over here. You know, all of her friends, her life was back in Germany. And the way she... I guess kind of dealt with the homesickness was through cooking and cooking traditional German food. I always appreciated her 
her cooking, like coming into her house on Christmas Eve, which is a big deal in German culture, and just smelling the the amazing foods that she was cooking. She would make this dish called Rinzruladen, um, which is a staple for us every year. And it's been definitely a connection between my grandma and me and something that I'm passing on to my friends um, and my community here in D.C. I had the opportunity to go with my grandmother uh, and my family to Germany. And it was really great to see my family over there just sitting around the table, have the foods that I grew up with in the context of being in Germany, in Munich, in the apartment that is directly next door to my gra- where my grandmother grew up. The gathering around the table with your family, whether you understand each other or not, and just laughter is multilingual, you know? What bothers me in America the most is that everything is ready and frozen. And I tried everything because I was trying, okay, let's buy something frozen, microwave it, and then we're good to go. It doesn't taste good, guys. No, it doesn't taste good. Yeah, you need to cook. And I noticed that not a lot of people cook. And this also bothers me. Like, guys, if someone comes from another country and he doesn't know how to cook, you have to cook for them. (laughs) So that's me, like... Guys, seriously. I was dying to try mac and cheese. And unfortunately, because none of, like, no one knows how to cook and the frozen one sucks, I died until I finally tried it after one month in Washington, D.C. And it was a very good mac and cheese. Other than that, it was awful. But mac and cheese, guys, is the best. Twenty-two-thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two-thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This episode, our taste buds give thanks to William Kamkwamba, Samantha DiFilippo, Nilgun Aslanova, Susie Meyer, Rushani Mansoor, Labang Nong, Megan Crane, and Dima Mimi. We thank them for their stories and their willingness to try new things. For more about ECA exchanges, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts, and we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And now you can follow us on Instagram at 2233 underscore stories. Special thanks this week to everybody for trying new things and for living to tell the tale. The various interviews were done by Ana Maria Sinatine, Kate Furby, and me. And I edited this segment. Featured music during this segment was Now's the Time by Art Blakey and his All-Stars and Sportin' Crowd by Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Music at the top of each food episode is Monkeys Spinning Monkeys by Kevin McLeod, And the end credit music 
as always, is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. <laughs>